Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Thanks. Okay. Where did Christy go? Christy Earl. Hey, will you come back up here? And Anna, will you come back up here too? The... The wonderful part about walking in the Spirit is when other people preach what you're going to say without having talked with you. So we can just wrap it up, hang it up. Y'all have a good, it's 5.09, get the heck out of here. What was, what was the last, I remember it because it's pretty much my entire thing. Um, what was the last statement you said? It was after our Western mindset. Remember what you said? Pain. We're allergic to pain. And then, okay, you're excused. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. And Christy, can you repeat what you, you, you gave a, uh, you, you, you uh, how do I articulate it? You, you ushered a reminder to us after what we just sat in. Can you restate what you said? Just that there's an invitation always to go and just sit with him and rest in him and let him speak. Why did you say that? You were leading worship, but what were you, what was the reason why you said that? What were you feeling or sensing or experiencing? I think because, I mean, I just, I mean, even in preparing this list and I was telling the team, I just think that we sometimes forget and we just go forward, but there's always a place where we can just rest in him and just sit. And I really felt like tonight we were just supposed to do nothing more than like, like just say, hey, here's the table, come and eat with me. And I think he really wants us to be in that place where we're tucked, tucked in in them. And then somebody, uh, Susan, I think read about his wraparound presence and just being enveloped in that all the time. And um, so I've just been praying back there too, that the Lord would go through the walls that we sometimes put up um, in order to, we think we can self-protect, but really he's right there. He's not the one holding out on us. (laughs) He wants to, he wants to be that for us. Do you read all my notes? (laughs) I think maybe Holy Spirit did. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. You're excused now. Thank you. Good job. So when you're in this place of you are experiencing rest is is where all of us just were corporately. That's the cool thing about people who are skilled in worship, not just good singers. There's a difference. It is helpful when both are combined. Is that as you're sitting there, you begin to experience something that is a little more profound than you would otherwise experience. And then there can be these places where you're actually feeling or sensing something. Did, did, did any of y'all just feel a little more peaceful? Feel a little, I did. What I believe that God is doing in the kingdom right now is realigning values and he's using pain to do that. 
For any of you Wyatt Earp fans, you know what his gun was called? The Peacemaker. That's so cool. It's just cool. And when Chuck was praying over me, the one thing that I want to do is ask God something on your behalf and then impart to you what I received three or four months ago. But in order to get there, just relax and receive a little bit. I'm going to read from the Bible. Um, You have two choices right now. You can simply sit there and rest and just listen. If you want to take notes, then you can do that as well. If you want to, I'm going to be reading uh, a couple different chapters, actually, from the Mirror Translation. And so, I don't know if it costs anything, but if it does, ask Sarah for her credit card number and she'll buy it for you. If it doesn't, then just download the Mirror real quick. And uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And uh, we may get to James chapter 1 and chapter 2, but that's where we'll be. And so we're going to be in Romans 8, James, James 1 and James 2. And, and in and through all of that, we're going to share some stories. It's going to get real personal. And then we're going to pray and uh, go home. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now the decisive conclusion is this. In Christ, every bit of condemnation, evidence against us is canceled. The law of the Spirit is the liberating force of life in Christ. This leaves me, Paul, with no further obligation to the law of sin and death. Spirit has superseded the sin-enslaved senses as the principal law of our lives. Verse, chapter 8, verse 5, thoughts betray source. Spirit life attracts spirit thoughts. If any of you have been here in the past two months, you've probably heard Kelly say, source is everything. And in the kingdom, there are values that are being realigned. And God, in his good purpose, is allowing an extremely painful process. He's not causing it, but there is pain everywhere I Look, and yet, thinking patterns are formed by reference. Verse 6, either the sensual appetites of the flesh and spiritual death are the zoe life and total tranquility flowing from a mind addicted to spirit realities. Verse 9, God's spirit is at home in you. Anyone who does not see himself fully clothed and identified in the spirit of Christ cannot be himself. Romans 1.23, losing sight of God made them lose sight of who they really were. In their calculation, the image and likeness of God became reduced to a corrupted and distorted pattern. Verse 10, sin cannot find any expression in a corpse. Verse 15, slavery is such a poor substitute for sonship. One leads forcefully through fear. 
While sonship responds fondly to Abba Father, his spirit resonates with our spirit to confirm that we originate in God. Because we are his offspring, we qualify as heirs. God himself is our portion. We co-inherit with Christ since we were represented and included in his suffering. We equally participate in the glory of his resurrection. Verse 21, all creation knows that the glorious liberty of the sons of God sets the stage for their own release from decay. We sense the universal agony and pain recorded in history until this very moment. Verse 26, when we feel restricted in our flesh, which you and I will. He supersedes our clumsy efforts and hits the bullseye every time. Verse 28, meanwhile, we know that the love of God causes everything to mutually contribute to our advantage. His master plan is announced in our original identity. He pre-designed and engineered us from the start to be jointly fashioned in the same mold in the image of his son. Flip to James chapter 1. I'm including a therefore. This isn't in the scriptures. Therefore, chapter 1, verse 2, temptations come in different sizes and shapes and intervals. Their intention is to suck you into their energy field. However, my brothers, your joy in knowing who you are leads you out triumphantly every time. Verse 6, faith must prompt your request, not your needs. Faith is this stabilizing factor. Otherwise, you become driven by emotions or inconsistent judgments that get out of control like rough seas tossed by tempest winds. A haphazard request makes it impossible to interpret God's wisdom accurately. Pause. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to interpret the wisdom of God more accurately, that would be helpful to many, many things. Unpause. Verse eight, someone with two opinions remains jittery in all his judgment and seems always lost for direction. This is essentially what Anna just said. 1 verse 9, adverse circumstances can make or break you depending on how you respond under pressure and allow these conditions to influence your judgment. Let the down and out brother boast in his elevation in the Lord. God's wisdom makes you see things differently by seeing yourself co-seated with him together with Christ in heavenly places. Verse 12, blessed is the man who does not lose his footing when temptation strikes. He is crowned the victor. His life proves the currency and character of his design. The verdict, no contradiction can distract from the love of the Lord. Verse 22, give 
the word your undivided attention. Do not underestimate yourself. Make the calculation. There can only be one logical conclusion. Your authentic origin is mirrored in the word. You are God's poem. Chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus' heads-up kind of face does, faith does not judge on face value, neither is it influenced by popular opinion or outward appearance. Verse 8, Scripture confirms that the law of the kingdom is fulfilled in you. Realizing the same value in your neighbor as you would see in yourself. This is what doing the word is all about. It makes beautiful poetry. Verse 22 of chapter 2. His works were in synergy with his faith. It's referring to Abraham and completed it. His works were in synergy with his faith and completed it. The one complements the other. Abraham's friendship with God was the fruit of righteousness he received by faith. This was announced in Genesis 15, 6 and prompted a lifestyle that confirmed his faith. Chapter 2, verse 26. Just as the body gives expression to the spirit, so actions give expression to faith. Now, one of the things that happened is what Christy was saying about the, the palpable feeling of participating in this co-union thing. If, we, if any of you were raised Catholic like I was, you might hear a priest singing, and now let us confirm the mystery of our faith. I can't sing, but they sing, let us embrace the mystery of our faith. And the scripture says, Christ in you the hope of glory. What? <laughs> How do you manage that? Back to Christy. One of the things that she said, if you noticed, was that this, this room or this place was, um, what, it, what, it, what, it, what did you say again? This play, what was your encouragement? Your encouragement was to stay here. There you go. Thank you. It was so powerful, I've already forgotten what you've said. You can go there anytime. One of the things that is happening in the kingdom is this realignment or harmony within the inner man. And so when Christie said that, that you can go to this place, because we are sight, taste, touch, smell, feel, we're sitting here, our, our natural mind thinks we can come to this place anytime we want, which is true. But where I think God is taking us in this co-heir thing, this mystery of our faith, this partnership, this union with him, and he's realigning values and he's using pain to do it, is this wisdom and revelation in the inner man. Because all of the important stuff happens in the inner 
sanctum. It never happens outside first. And one of the greatest lies that we believe as either people or kingdom people is when we look at somebody we admire and we start to see what follows them the authority that follows them. When they walk into a room, people seem to pay attention to them or do what they say or whatever your thing is when you look at people who you respect. Whether it's material or relational or emotional maturity, all of those places, when they're true, were fought for in the inner place where nobody sees and nobody knows. And that battle is extremely painful. And our ability to be able to run straight at those things that strike fear in our heart or that we avoid because you know yourself. And the people around you know you too, so it's not like you're getting away with anything. If you actually have friends, they know how weird you are. You're not friends, faking it to like everyone. You may fake it to a lot of people, but if you have actual friends, they already know your stuff. So, hallelujah. And especially if you're married, your spouse knows your stuff. At least the good ones. And in this values realignment... It's going to sound funny, but let me explain it. We get to pick our sacrifice. The, one of the lies of the enemy is that the sacrifice or the pain or the trade-off is so great that I couldn't possibly bear it or live without blank. But he hides the reward, which is this honest place of harmony in the inner man, this honest place of synergy in the inner man that produces all the stuff that we admire in the people that we admire. Because I'll tell you what, the people who you look at, who have, we use this term all the time, and it's appropriate having authority over something. You can't open a page of scripture and, and not read about Jesus and not come across that word. But where I think a huge invitation to be in that place, not just here like Christy talked about, but in here, and it's going to require courage and bravery, you're going to have to pull out Wyatt Earp's Peacemaker, and you're going to have to walk with God, walk with God, and listen to him speak. Did you hear what the last, the second to last song, was, was that the last song, Zach, or second to last? Second to last. What did it say? Speak to me. That was the last. Speak to me. They just repeated it over and over and over. In that place where you can actually absorb the wisdom of God is an incredibly useful thing <laughs> because it changes everything. It changes everything. And when you look at the people who have that authority, the world would call it swagger. But when you look at people who have that authority, what you aren't seeing is those places inside that before they were able to walk in that, that authority, they took responsibility over. 
It's the responsibility in the inner sanctum that precedes that spiritual overlay of authority because God has put these gifts in you and they are irrevocable. You can be a total ass, excuse me, in your ministry will, sorry lad, don't repeat that word. And your ministry will be completely ineffective and trumped because you're a jerk. Because you have not done the work emotionally, but you're super talented with all this God-given authority. And it doesn't matter because people don't like you because you're not nice. On the other hand, when you have these things working in tandem, you have the right hand actually working with the left we must take responsibility over those things. Now, some of you, as I'm speaking, are hearing, well, some of you will be hearing blame. And so let me make a distinction here. Uh, I'll, I'll do this by giving you an example. And there are actually only probably two people who know this story. There's about to be more. It's Sarah and Adam. Hey, Adam. So poor Adam had to sit on a car ride with me and listen to six hours of this <laughs> and uh, and we still talk so uh, you know I count that as a W this was this is an example of taking responsibility over something and it was extremely painful for me and I had no idea absolutely no idea of how I was impacting people around me I was walking from my bedroom down my hallway to the front room. I don't know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I walk by a table that I walk by 100,000 times. And I am overwhelmed. Even without asking for it, I am overwhelmed with wisdom and understanding about something that I was doing that because I said we get to pick our sacrifice, God in his kindness was allowing me to bring back to the table, not as a sacrifice so that he could get me, but so that he could mature me out of a place. And I was being kept by something and I didn't even know it. And I had to sacrifice that, but it worked for me. So here's what was going on. I'm walking down the hallway and then all of a sudden I began to understand that in me, not out there, in here, that God was creating this enormous distinction between hurry and hustle. Between hurry and hustle. Now I like to hustle. I like to win. I like to get deals done. but I had no idea how much hurry was in my life. And he overwhelmed me with this revelation and it's like he sat me down in a moment and showed me this movie of my life where I was influenced, even without knowing it, with hurry, but I mistook it for hustle. When I was in high school, my high school girlfriend, when we would go to parties, she would always say, why are you walking, why are you walking in the party ahead of me? I mean, at the time, I was like, whatever. 
But as I sat there before the Lord, I'm going, that's a protection mechanism. Why would I want to get there first so that I could be seen, so that I have more value, so that people see me first, not her? Interesting. That was at 18. God, where did that really start? So pause. The impartation I'm going to give you is going to be releasing over you the bravery and the courage to take out your own gun and to have the Spirit take you to your own places inside your own heart so that he can walk you through this. There is pain, but the sacrifice that you get to pick is the joy that comes from it and the freedom that comes from it. And that's what the enemy hides. The freedom, the good stuff. But you gotta walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There is no, the only way from glory to glory is through. And quite frankly, I am concerned that in the body of Christ now, we have a bunch of babies who do not wanna deal with the stuff inside and allow the kindness of God to lead them to places where they experience revelation so that we can be the people like what the psalmist says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You cannot be a jerk and have goodness and mercy follow you. They are mutually exclusive. And people will tell you that too, not just God. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, how far back does this rabbit trail go? And I'll be darned. Again, my parents got divorced when I was seven. I've been in years of count. I'm like so over this discussion. It wasn't my fault. I'm like goodwill hunting. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not. You better not be. I get it's not my fault. But one of the things that happened that I didn't understand, which baked this thing between hurry and hustle was that when my parents got divorced, I lived a week with my dad and a week with my mom. Now, if you know me, I am highly adaptable. I'm a great traveler. I can go anywhere at any time. I'm pretty fun to be with, I think. Thank you. Lad confirms it. I'm a great dad. But I'm super flexible because I lived a week with my dad and then I would move across town on Thursdays, and then I'd live a week with my mom. And to tell you those were two very different households with two very different values is, is very, very true. And so I could be two totally different people. I could get away with anything. I could shapeshift and rely on my ability to articulate and persuade, which is where that hustle thing didn't grow in me, the hurry thing did, and I go back and forth and back and forth. And then it's like the, the Lord in his kindness. I was reminded of the scripture, I'm going to misquote it, but this is an ish quote, like when we become a man, we put away childish things. Like for now we see in a face, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Like we put away these childish things and instead of God coming to me to get me, in this co-heir thing that he's doing because he's realigning values to be harmonious in the inner man 
and the result is this actual no kidding experience of walking as a co-heir, he allowed me to pick my sacrifice before him, but the way that he did it was showing me that I was using something as a protection mechanism as a child that worked for me then. But I hadn't set it down. And I didn't even know it. And me not even knowing that that driver was there of hurry affected me at work. Because I was sitting in counseling trying to understand that this is rolling off the tongue real cool. But it's messy. It's messy when you're dealing with it. But I didn't understand what was really driving that hurry. And so one of the things, literally physiologically, my heart rate gets up. My heart rate gets up. Um, I get hot. Um, from a mindset perspective, I get firm. I get defensive. I get argumentative. I push you out of my way because I can guarantee them to you if there's going to be two of us in an argument one person is going to be left standing and it ain't going to be you that is not a kingdom value it is not helpful in relationships with people but I didn't even know that that thing was going on in me I, I mistook that for hustle Hustle is this place of rest where all things are possible. It is this as we mature and as we grow in wisdom, it is regaining the innocence that was lost as a child. It was re The process of maturity is rediscovering what was lost as a child, that potential and that innocence, but yet with the wisdom of God, having some life experience to be able to apply that innocence towards but as we continue to mature and progress, it's not being limited by experience. This is what happened with the Pharisees. And as each one of us sits before God in the inner room, we come face to face with the fact that we are a hypocrite too. And that we miss things right in front of our face too. Because... Even in spite of how clumsy we are, God intercedes on our behalf. And he hits the bullseye every time. It is him drawing us into this thing that we can't even complete because it is required to be in union with him. So as I sat before him and I'm going, wow, this hurry has been a protection mechanism for me. And, and I just sensed him saying, it's okay. You needed to use that to survive as a child. You needed to be that adaptable. That's what you use to survive in your environment. And then it's like he just took my hands and he just looked right at me and he said, are you ready to lay that down? And I'm like, it feels like I'm laying myself down. What am I supposed to do? It feels like I'm putting everything on the altar because this thing that I realize is not good has been driving me. 
and it has impacted so many relationships, too many to, to, to tell. Not in a good way. And he just said, are you ready to lay that down? And I just sat before him and I said, okay. I'm ready to lay that down. I'm ready to sacrifice that. And as I did that, it was as if this flood just came into that quiet place where by revelation and by wisdom of God I began to understand things not because I was articulating them like I am now but just because I was in harmony with what the Spirit of God was doing and cleaning up that room, but yet it was painful and it required courage to move into. And I had to look at it and I had to see its impact on others. And I had to take responsibility for that, not be blamed as if it was all my fault. We're not even going there. I am simply saying I took responsibility. I looked at it. I participated with God in what he was doing. And he handed me Wyatt Earp's gun, the peacemaker. So I shot the, almost cussed again, uh, I shot it. It's a good thing. And you know what is so interesting to me? Um, preceding all of that were all of these examples in my life of how the, the hurry in me was having a bad impact in work or in relationships. And then I didn't tell anybody about that happening. I told Sarah. I may have told you. I don't know. Have you ever heard this story? You've heard this story? Oh, okay, great. So I told some other people besides Sarah, I guess. I told you to. <laughs> I like to talk. I guess I got to. I guess I got to deal with that uh, afterwards. There's always work to be done. All right. Hey, hey. This is enough audience participation. Okay. I asked Christian Anna. Didn't ask y'all. Um, what's fascinating to me is that once that was once that was a place of like synergy and harmony with what God was doing inside my own inner man. I got job offers after that that I wasn't even looking for. I got asked to speak more than I ever have before. I wasn't even looking for it. It just happened. It was really wild. But yet, and then I started to understand. I even started to, Sarah and I started talking about, oh my gosh, we know that we are in a new season now. We're not trying to kill each other anymore, which is really good. It's very, a healthy thing. That's, that's good when you're in a marriage and you don't kill your spouse. Yeah, yeah. Things started, things changed out there. But, you know, honestly, for Probably one of the first times in my life, all I really cared about was how I felt in there. And I'm like, and then I began to understand, gosh, that's, 
That's why, the, that's why we cannot be defined or receive our value from an external because it's just a cheap substitute. It's not sonship. It's not, it's not harmony. It doesn't work. It's not lasting. But in order to get to those places, the process is painful and it is messy. And so one of the things that I would like to, um, now we're starting to land the plane coming back down in the kingdom one of the things that's happening is this realignment of values when you think about values or when you think about value all the good stuff is attracted to value Currency, money, is not inherently bad in and of itself. It is attracted to value. When, If you're in business and you have a pitch deck, it's called what's your value proposition. So as you think about like the things that really matter, they, they're, they're, <laughs> they're scarce, right? They have, they have incredible weight. They have incredible value. Currency is attracted to value. Leadership is attracted to value. Authority is a part of value. Those things that have value have weight and purpose and meaning, but it value can never be kept or hoarded or pooled. It's always given out because that's the way that God set up the game. This free enterprise and free exchange of value and when I saw myself acting out of places that were incongruous, kind of like what we read in Romans 8 and James chapter 1 and James chapter 2, with who God knew me to be, because as his kid, he knows me better than I know myself, it just didn't feel right over the long term. It just did not feel right. And so he had to take me to these places where I was willing to do the work and participate with him so that what was received was of far greater value. And in the midst of that, the crazy thing is, you get to pick your sacrifice. There is a trade. There is a trade. And it's things that have a kingdom value for things that have a worldly value, things that are lasting for things that are temporal. So what I want to do is just for you all to close your eyes and I'm just going to pray. And what I want you to consider as we pray is principally one thing. Where are those places that you know, because you know yourself, <laughs> that are those quiet places that give you fear or concern or terror? Where are those places? Where are those places of shame or disappointment? because his kindness will give you the revelation in those areas that you will need so that you can be raised to life with Christ. But first, you've got to die with him.
where are those places, those quiet places that you can take responsibility for and go, God has something better. And the last thing I'll say before we pray is another way to say all of that is simply to say, what's the one thing in the world that you could change if you could? And then allow your mind to surface an answer of the one thing in the world you could change. And as you think about that, and on the heels of that, let me tell you that's a trick question. The only thing that you can really take responsibility over is yourself. We must start in the inner place first. And then, just like C.S. Lewis says, you get your first wants right and then you get all your second wants. First wants are the glory of God, his value, his kingdom. Second wants are everything else. You get your first wants right and they get first and your second wants. You put the second wants in front of the first and you get neither. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. When heaven is made priority in your inner man, then the power and the authority and the everything else comes. When the power and the authority and the everything else is what you're really, really, really looking for, and God, because he's good at marriage, will sort this out in you because you're clumsy, just like me, and that's fine. That's, he's not threatened by that. He will sort out <laughs> when you've got it backwards because he's kind and he's gentle. So, God, we submit ourselves to your sovereign care that we may be found dead and alive in you. That we may fully participate in your suffering and equally participate in your glorification. Father, I ask because you say that we can, that if anyone lacks wisdom, ask for it and it will be supplied with liberality. I ask for wisdom in the inner place so that we can interpret your voice accurately, that we may become more than conquerors, not out there, but in here where all the good stuff matters and takes place. So if you're hearing the sound of my voice, I bless you in the name of Jesus to receive the wisdom and the courage of the Lamb of God that you may be able to turn and face those places that are hard and that hurt 
that you would delight in the participation of the Holy Spirit as he illuminates things that you can lay down and that he shows you what he's giving you in exchange. God, thank you that you work out through fear and trembling this mystery of our faith, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you see us better than we see ourselves and that you tell us that we are more than conquerors. Give us the strength and the stamina and the wisdom and the energy to be able to go to those places in the inner man that the result would be that your name would be made famous, that every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord, and that goodness and mercy would follow us all the days of our life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.